0: Hello everybody, this is Lindsay with Tea Time with Linz. And first of all, again, thank you for Poe the Passenger for the intro music. They actually have a new video up called Heartstrings that is now live. So you can go and watch and it is a corker. It's so good. Today we are joined by Lindsay Perry. She is an actress, writer, producer, director, mocap performer. She just, oh my gosh, she's just done everything because she's amazing. Before we get started, just some... Uh, Shout-outs from those tweets that I was doing for the past couple of weeks. Uh, I asked a question about some advice from the Twitter universe. What would you suggest my for my friend who is going back into acting after a long break? And also, it can be for anyone. If you're just starting out in acting, if you're getting into acting at a later age. So this is from Twitter. This is from Byron Madal. And... They say, I would say, find your own voice early and work towards getting that voice heard, which means take control of your own work early and make that work seen. Do not be passive waiting around for the work to come to you. Thank you so much for that, Byron. And we had one from Richard Stride at stride underscore Richard. Richard Stride, 28 years as a director actor. Um, he actually had a video um, on his Twitter page which I would highly recommend going to watch. I think it was like a minute, maybe two minutes long, but it was really very, I think it's got a few up as well. Uh, But the one that I watched was very informative. So Richard Stride, go to his Twitter page and look up his videos. Very informative. Okay, also I'm seeing a lot on social media right now about scam companies and castings. So actors, actresses, remember just to never give out your bank information to anyone. Um, If anyone says they're calling from Spotlight or a bank or post office or anything like that, then call them back on the number from the official websites. And I know that sounds really stupid, but I'm just seeing so many people being completely conned because the websites look real. And I think it was about a week ago where I got one from the post office. I'm not even in England. And I'm like, what? And I looked at the scam website and then I looked at the actual post office website And they look very, very similar. So just just be aware. And also there's a guy out there on Twitter right now. Um, I think he keeps changing his name. But if a guy sends you a casting and says you fit the bill, but to send him extra photos of you. And then you're like, okay, cool. But then he's like, oh, we need suggestive photos. Uh, This guy's a massive a-hole. And report him immediately because it's clearly not a casting. It's a massive scam. Um, And I know this goes without saying, but when you're in the acting world, and obviously we've been in a pandemic, you're happy to get a casting. And that's not how it works. So just please don't fall for it. And even if you're new to the industry, that's not, it's not legit. Um, Don't send anybody uh, inappropriate pictures or pictures of you in a bikini or whatever, because it's just some guy being a total perfect. Anyway, getting back to today's episode. Today, like I said, we have special guests: actor, writer, director, motion captor, performer and producer, Lindsay Perry. Comedian Lindsay Perry splits her time between Los Angeles and New York City and most recently worked on feature film Hide and Seek that just got picked up at Berlin Film Festival. Congratulations, guys. You can catch Lindsay in Swing Night that got over a million views on YouTube, something that she wrote. Uh, You can watch her in The Affair, Grand Theft Auto, and of course, the Christmas party that we're in together. And you can follow Lindsay on IG, on Instagram, at Lindsay A. Perry. All right, on with the show. You definitely have a super interesting story, because not only have you been pursuing acting and comedy and all that jazz, you've gone onto the producing side, you've dabbled a bit in casting, obviously writing, like
1: you've really kind of ran the gamut. Exactly. (laughs) Gambit. That's what it is. No, I, um, yeah, no, it's kind of weird. Like I went, so I went to school for acting and I was like ride or die. It was what I knew I was going to do from when I was nine years old. I was like, I'm going to be, I had found this list where I written, like, I'm going to be an actor and then a lawyer and then an author. And it's like, oh my God, I did all of those things because producers are essentially like going through legal docs. So I was like, oh, no. I mean, with aside from getting the law degree, like that's basically what I do. So I was like, well, not, I guess I've achieved my nine-year-old dreams. It's really funny. So like, I always knew I was going to be an actor, but I never did theater in high school. I thought those kids were like dorky and nerdy. Um, I was an athlete and I was like a ride or die gymnast. And so um, I didn't have the extracurricular time to do it, but it was my favorite class in school. I was obsessed with it i wanted to do it and then um, i do not know how i got into a bfa program we had to it was my very first audition was to get into this like fine art school and um in the back pocket i was looking at a cheerleading scholarship at, at long at the university of long beach <laughs> long beach State. Oh, wow. okay. yeah. so i like knew i wanted to be in california i knew i wanted to be in la and i knew i wanted to be an actor and um i was gonna have to pay the difference between the out-of-state tuition and so I um, was looking to get, they get, they throw out cheerleading scholarships to gymnasts like candy. Cause they're like, you can tumble you'll be great. Like, so, you know, um, <laughs> for gymnasts that aren't good enough to get a gymnastic scholarship, they can, you know, pop a cheerleading scholarship with no problem. So I kind of was sort of fielding that. Uh-huh. And then I just did not think I was going to get into this BFA program. I was like, I'm not going to, It's my first audition in my whole life. I've never acted in my life. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I auditioned and I got in. And it was um, the only BFA program in the state, um, which I grew up in Virginia. So it was like, it was, that was the art school. So all the artsy kids went there. And I am so glad that I did it. I didn't want to stay in Virginia. I knew I wanted to be in California, but it, like the relationships that I built were the ones that served me in New York and Los Angeles later. So it's like, you know, a lot of people harp on their college experience. And I'm certainly one of them where I'm like, what did they ever do for me besides give me an alcohol problem and questionable sexual partners. But it's like, you know, they did it. It absolutely ended up those relationships and that network ended up being the people that I fell back on in New York. And then the only reason I was able to stay in LA was because I knew people from my university who were living there and that wanted to help me because they knew me back in the day. That's, yeah, I do love
0: that. And just like the connections people make, and that's the other thing that was what Ben was talking about as well is just like connections he'd made like five or six years ago came back around, and that's what got him into like certain films,
1: and it's just Absolutely. like you just never know. Absolutely, you never know, and and I think too relationships take a hard you know relationships are hard and they take a long time, and that's why I think it's also important. In my journey like moving to new york as soon as i graduated from college was what was a very important move for me Mm -hmm. Um, i know a lot of people uh don't move to one of the big cities right away but in my experience it was really helpful because the longer you're around the more people just know you yeah it's like if you're around and you're in the game it doesn't even matter what level of the game you're in people start to know who you are. And then once a few people kind of know who you are over the years, it it they start, you know, everyone's careers sort of elevate, we all rise together. And I remember hearing stuff like that, like, um, oh, you know, executives like meet the assistants because the assistants are are going to be your future executives. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, let's go straight to the top here. But that's, it's just not how it works. Like you do need to like the best networking you can do when you're young and dumb is to make friends with the assistants. Yeah. But that's what I say about film
0: school students, because I'm just like film school students, then the next filmmakers. So why would you not do a student film?
1: Yeah. And Um, you just have to be strategic about, you know, how how long you're willing to work for free and what you're willing to do. And
0: yeah, I'm not saying do it forever, but I'm just at least I do like, I don't know, three or four. Um, And always do like the thesis and, you know, MFA
1: projects and thesis projects. Like absolutely, I mean, you'd be silly not to. Like one of the directing projects that came out of Columbia University for the master's program was White Girls, and you know she ended up winning a bunch of stuff. I think at South by and uh-huh. you you never know who you're who you're getting in with. I know that um, the director of Black Panther and the composer went to USC together. It's like that's just where people do build these relationships. So as much as university as a path could be you know you can sort of take it or leave it to, you know that degree I don't know if the degree really matters but the network sure does come in handy
0: oh absolutely That's what I think
1: so then from
0: university you went up to New York City
1: yeah so like all of my all of my buddies from university were already living in New York because it's really close like a six hour drive from Virginia uh-huh. so I knew I wanted to end up in LA but I also had friends here so it was mm-hmm. easy um you know and I'm in New York now. So it's, um, I came up here and the very first job that I got was waiting tables at this restaurant called the NoHo Star Mm -hmm. and used to call it the Ho No. (laughs) And it was like the (laughs) most star studded restaurant ever. It was insane. Like I moved up here and immediately started waiting tables on every celebrity known to man. Is that when you served Dave Grohl iced tea? Yes. Uh-huh. yes. I almost choked and he was not even my table uh-huh. he was the table. And I was like, that's Dave Grohl a I was, and he ordered a fried chicken sandwich girl. I remember that man's order. Ooh, I love me some Dave. I oh my God. I waited on everybody. And it was so funny and fun to watch like other people reacting. And the tourists would sometimes, you know, it wasn't a super touristy area. It's on, um, it's NoHo, So it's like one block North of Houston street. Yeah. and uh, it's on bleaker and lafayette so a lot of folks live down there and the public theater is right across the street so that is why you were seeing a lot of these like big name actors like sam Shepard came in every single day oh wow um, even and he and stephen ray would come in a lot because they were doing kicking the dead horse at the time and so weirdly sam Shepard was one of my regulars oh. and it was bananas because i love him and i did tell him um <laughs> like very subtly and like when when he was alone and he was, um, and I think it was like right before the run of the show had started. And I was like, I heard you're doing, I just acknowledged that I knew who he was. And I was like, I heard you're doing a show at the a theater. When is it open? And he was like, oh yeah, we open next week. And he was so nice. He was like, yeah, we're opening next week. And I was like, oh, I'd love to get tickets. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely come, 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 come. Like, you know, just like any other writer would want to promote their own show. Yeah. Another Chuck and Sam <laughs> he is And we all loved him. We would fight over him whenever he would come in, like who got to wait on him. Um, so funny. He was so in just like such a like you know, man. He was such a good, a, just like a good person to have in your field of like your sphere of influence when you're yeah. a young actor, and especially like when you're a young actor and you just come out of university and you've studied Sam Shepard plays. Mm-hmm. So that was amazing. Philip Seymour Hoffman was a regular. um Oh my god, I'm name dropping all of these people who. <laughs> and I realized like how crappy that is but like it was <gasps> cool to have, I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at it was like I waited on every celebrity known to man some of them are no longer with us and I'm so grateful that I had an opportunity to share space with them basically yeah. it was no, I cool. get it. Breathe were the same heroes. air. yeah and they were my heroes and it was very cool but it also what I love is it took them off the pedestal yes I no longer had that like Hollywood sheen pedestal it was more like oh these are folks who eat french fries yeah <laughs> <laughs> people chicken salads like these are not they're not better than you they're not different than you it's, you know they they have a cool job yeah they're who eat lunch and have a cool job
0: oh gosh
1: it's great and I love that and then um, I'm trying to think like after after that experience I was wait I was a waitress for 15 years wow probably closer to 17 actually because I I've, I've waited tables in LA as well but um yeah, I was, I was, a waitress for 15 years, but during that time, and I'm so grateful for it because, um, during the time that I was just, you know, starting to build my comedy career,
0: uh-huh. that
1: was like a survival gig, that was like the way that I was able to supplement my, you know, I was able to make an income and, um, I got into sketch comedy and writing through the improv community. I went to a casting session and this casting director was like, you are hilarious and you need to be at the pit and at UCB. And I was like, what is that? (laughs) I had no, i never heard of it. And she was like, you don't know what CD is? And I was like, I have no idea. I want to do Shakespeare. And she's like, no, no, you're headed in the wrong direction. You are not a Shakespeare. You're not going to play Ophelia. Basically, she brought me down to reality. She was like, "Bitch, you are not like you are a funny side character. Like you are never going to be Natalie Portman. Move on." You know? It's and I was so like, funny.
0: Oh. I feel like I had a very similar experience to that.
1: Oh, did I you? Was, yeah,
0: because I, I I was like sixteen and I was really trying to be super serious. Yes. <laughs> and my friend's mother was just like, um, "Yeah, you are more in the <laughs> comedic element." And I was just like, "She's like, you are not bad." But when you do comedy, and I was like, okay. And then I started just doing more comedy. And I was just like, oh, this is really fun. And I'm actually really quite good at it. Mm. Gotcha. So, yeah, I had that early, very, very early on.
1: Yeah. Um, but it does I, take somebody else to tell you, I think. I think, when I, you're, yeah. you know, when you want to be an actor and you're like, you know, idolizing these Oscar winning performances kind of deal. And you sort of put that on a pedestal. You put the drama the drama gets on the drama gets put on the pedestal all the time and i don't know why because comedy's harder
0: i know um, comedy's way harder and also i've seen so many com- like comedies where i'm just like this really does deserve an oscar
1: 100 like, i'm just the like the performance yeah. like, i think it's unbelievable well, i mean it it's one of those things where it's just the way that they the infrastructure of the sales is designed, which I'm like, once I understood the producing side and I understood what the awards were for, it all makes sense. But yeah. when you're young and you don't know what the awards are and you're not in the business and you don't know that the awards are for promotional of specifically like, you know, they're promotional films. So like there are films that need a little boop, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I think that it, yeah, it, it is. It's like that that unsettling realization that like you are never going to be Kate Winslet. <laughs> <laughs> like, like like like, girl you are just not ever gonna like rock that Kate Blanchett role like you are never <laughs> the elf in the woods like <laughs> you are always gonna be somebody's lackey sidekick assistant and you're gonna fucking steal every scene that you're in but like that's
0: <laughs> and that's not a bad thing and this is the other thing too I always felt like being that character and being that role was always a negative thing and it took me a really long time to Get my head into a different headspace and be like, um, those roles are the fucking kick-ass roles.
1: They are the best roles usually in the whole film. Yeah, they're also the ones that like if you get really, really good at it. Like as you know, I worked for um, I worked for an actor, writer, director who plays those roles a lot, and it was am- amazing because he's one of those performers who has like, you know, a recognizable face, but he's yeah. not gonna around. He doesn't lose his anonymity. He gets to live a relatively normal life. You know, yeah. a very life actually with just a little bit of some some cool fun perks and it's um and like that to me is so important because when you especially having seen all of these celebrities eating lunch and having trouble getting through their lunch and what it does to the people who are sitting next to the celebrity who are eating lunch you just think oh god i would never want that yeah i would never want to not be able to make it through a meal like there are certain <laughs> actors that you can get through
0: a meal. <laughs> Did I ever tell you? So I was friends with an actress, an Australian actress, and she was on like Starship, Battleship, Starship, yes, I, I don't even fucking know what it's called. <laughs> but she was on like 40 episodes of one of those shows. And then like another sci-fi show It's just huge in sci-fi world and like huge in video games and all that stuff. And when we met, it was in Ben's class. And I literally had no idea who she was. We just became really fast friends and we went out one time for sushi and these people would just keep coming up to her and I would get really pissed off because I'm like what the fuck is happening Mm. and then I'm just like do you just know everybody and she's like um I don't know them they're fans and then I was like who the fuck are you like who are you um and I'm like Claudia what is going on and it used to happen all the time but because I've never seen any of her shows I just knew her as Claudia and I was just like, oh, well, this is what it's like then. Hmm. So, yeah, I've been that person waiting around.
1: <sighs> it does too, though. It like kind of helps you when you do see shiny people, in the, especially in L.A. and New York and places like that. Like you you're very respectful
0: mm-hmm. of
1: when it's appropriate to speak to somebody when it's not like, you know, and all of that stuff. It sounds so douchey, but it's really just about um you know, these are people that we recognize and we know who they are and they always are trying to remember, but they don't know who the shit you are yeah. <laughs> and they don't recognize you. And so it's a bunch of strangers coming up to them all day, interrupting, interrupting their meal, which is like, you know, what they signed up for, but, um, also, you know, an inconvenience. So it's like something to bear in mind when we're in the, you know, when you see folks out and about such a niche problem, who the, like, who else has this problem, but <laughs> New Yorkers and Angelenos. the <laughs> <Random. sighs> So, oh, what was I going to tell? Oh, yeah. So, um, the the whole way I got into like the writing and producing side of life, it was um this casting director who was like, "You're you need to be with the funny people." Oh, yes. Sorry. And, um, Karen, yeah. If you need to like go rock out with them, they are they're your tribe, and you just don't know it yet. Uh-huh. And so, I remember I went and I took a class at the pit, and I. Enjoyed the shit out of it, and my teacher was a guy called Steve Soroka who was hilarious and amazing. And um, I was in a class with a bunch of married women who did who were actors and had no day job, so had breadwinners at home. <laughs> and, like it was amazing, and we've decided to form a sketch comedy group called Hot Buffet. And so <laughs> we, <laughs> right? Like yes, most. No. And so um, so we formed Hot Buffet and we started performing live shows. And the gal who was our fearless leader, her name is Jessica Park. She's an actress and a, um, a, really, good, uh, re- a really good actor. And she's just like one of those people who gets shit done. Uh-huh. You
0: know, those Love goals. those people. Love those people. Yeah. Oh.
1: When she has an idea, she's like, and we're going to execute. And you're like, sweet. You know, she's one of those. So yeah. she was able to get us into the pit, get our shows going, get our sound engineer. Like we started coming together for rehearsals two or three times a week. And the way that I learned to write was we have a, we're, we're in a room in Midtown in a rehearsal space on a Monday and we have a show on Friday and we have nothing written.
0: <laughs> so like I the, p- the pressure, okay. I love it.
1: Yeah, So, like the way that I learned to write was um, you come in on a Monday very Saturday night lifestyle. You pitch all of your ideas for what you think could be funny, and then we would break off, and certain people would take. You know, you would take a, a sketch that you thought was that you that you could write, where you're like, "All right, yeah. I want to sketch about McKibben Lofts in Bushwick and all of the gentrification of Bushwick, and it's going to be, you know, about twenty five year olds moving into a really scary neighborhood in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. it's happening at the time and still is, and um. And great, I'm gonna go home and write that. And I had the people that I was writing for and the characters that I knew that they could play. And then I would come back with a draft on a Wednesday and everybody would read the draft, make tweaks on the spot. Like Uh I'm gonna change this, I'm gonna change. And we had a rule where it was, if the joke gets cut, you don't argue. If somebody says this joke doesn't work, it means that the joke doesn't work. Because if you have to explain the joke at dinner, the joke didn't work. Yeah. having to explain why it's funny. It's not funny. So it's never like, if there's um, ever a question about the badump ching, it was, it taught you to be ruthless and to um, also not be precious. And I feel so, like
0: that's really good for your ego though, as well, because it's just like, you just have your ego in check.
1: Yeah. Cause the play is the thing. Yeah. The Cause it's,
0: yeah. It's not about you personally. It's just about if it works, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work
1: yeah and like is it funny and it doesn't matter and it's never an insult against you it's more or less just like can we make it funnier yeah oh yes always yes so and like more brains equal more jokes and more volume of experience to pull from so like folks would come in and like redline the shit out of the scripts and then go home and memorize it have a dress rehearsal on friday before the show and then boom go and so it was like yeah and we did that for years so i was doing that. I started, I think, in 2011 or 12, and I was in Hot Buffet until I left New York City in 2017, Um, and so it was constant, and then we started doing videos, and then I started learning to produce little mini films, Um, and we had a DP and sound and, like, the whole thing, and we were so, you know, we didn't know what anything was, but we learned it because we were on set and had to, and, like, our set was my apartment in my living room, and um, and so Shooting and our, our our stuff that we made, those little shorts that we made to this day still make me laugh, and I'm proud of them. I'm proud of the production value, the audio quality. I'm proud of every every single aspect of all of my hot buffet business. But it taught me um, how to produce on a budget. And I'm telling you, if you can make something with three thousand dollars, then you can like. Who's going to give you a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred million dollars if you can't use three thousand to make something, You know what I mean? It's yeah. like if you can't manage three thousand dollars. Who's going to give you three million? Yeah. So you like it's always like working at the budget level you have is such good experience because it's only gonna, your life is only going to get easier the bigger the budget the easier life gets yeah. but if you know how to pinch a penny you're always going to come out ahead and if you know how to pinch a penny it will also make you more creative restrictions it, are good
0: it does and i know exactly what you mean because i've had that happen um did you end up going to the citizens brigade in new york
1: I did. Yes. Um, so I did, I actually really, I don't think I ever trained at UCB. I performed at UCB a lot. Fantastic. And a lot of our friends were in the same community because the pit, I was a pit kid. And so there was like the pit community and uh-huh. there's the UCB community and it was all intertwined. Um, and UCB, the reason that I don't think I ever took a class there was because the waiting list, every time you tried to sign up, you couldn't get in. So I'd be like, all right, I'll just go to the pit and keep finishing, you know? Um, and then I would go to UCB to perform and so it was always like, if we had a show, we would have shows at like a, a venue in Long Island city called the Creek and the Cave, which did a lot of comedy. Um, we would have shows at the UCB and mostly at the pit. And the pit was like this incredible venue that actually just closed because of COVID-19. And I could yeah. not be upset and disappointed. They ha- hosted the Del Close Marathon in New York there. It was just like such an amazing venue. And it was a big theater. Whereas the UCB here, you have to wait out line. You have to wait in line outside because they don't have- Oh, have yeah, like a done it. Up. Yeah. And it's freaking cold in New York. Oh, it's, it's freezing. Not like, outside in, like LA, it's like 50, 60 degrees at the worst. Like in New York, it's like negative 15. And you're like, why are we here to watch people jump around and pretend to be monkeys? Like, you know, so I love the pit because you could go inside and drink a beer while you waited for your show.
0: Yeah. I remember waiting in line at UCB in New York and it was the only time. I don't eat McDonald's in- America, because they're proper fucking skank. In England, I'll eat them, but I had to go to the McDonald's that was down the block because I was so hungry and there was nothing around.
1: Yeah, and, and I was ind- just like,
0: weird ass, like, oh, creepy fucking area, road. freezing my tits off. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I do it and again. I think it, I love the UCB. Like the UCB is amazing. It's just the, the pit offered um, a little bit more comfort while you're waiting for shows, and yeah. so it's easier to see more comedy it made it easier to wanna to perform more comedy there because you knew that you weren't gonna be shuffled into a theater and then shoved out onto the street. Yeah. A place where you could hang. And so, so it that's became nice. a yeah. yeah. It was really nice. It was a great community.
0: So when in this timeline did you do Swing Night?
1: Oh my gosh. So Swing Night
0: was- and was, sorry, was that originally a short film or was it, yeah. okay.
1: So I wrote a scene where I thought it would be really funny if two girls were talking about um, a sexual encounter that they had had as like a swing, a swinging experience. And so I just kind of started writing this scene. And it's funny because, you know, now I write features and I write much longer form stuff and I could never start by writing a scene. <laughs> like yeah. now, now, like, no, 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 no. You outline the shit out of 110 pages. Yeah. But, um, but at the time I was like, just trying to write a five minute short and a sketch essentially like a sketch that could be filmed. So I wrote a scene, which is what a sketch is. And, um, and I thought it was really cute and fun. And I sent it to my friend, Jess Little. And Jess, um, who was in Swing Night, read it and was like, I think this is so funny. I'm gonna send it to my friend, Julian who's a camera operator. And I was like, yeah. So then I get an email from this guy, Julian. And I'm like, who's Julian? And I look at this kid's IMDB and he has shot everything that came through New York City. And I mean it was like huge. It was, I think at the time it was like the intern and you know, extremely loud and incredibly close, Tom Hayes, like all of these big, big, big budget things. And I was like, woo. and she's like, oh yeah, he's working on high maintenance right now on HBO. So like, you know, he's just bouncing on TV shows and stuff. And of course, at the time I'm like, this kid operate like he's a proper camera operator. Like this is amazing. And I had only ever met actors who bought cameras. So it was like my first time emailing with, with Julian. He was like, right, so I'm going to come over. I really want to shoot this. And I was like, oh, world. and he goes, can you make it longer? Like, can you make it a little bit bigger? And so I wrote, I, was, I decided to add the guy characters in. And like, I wrote a couple of more characters and sent it over to him. And he was like, I want to direct it. I want to do this. Let's oh, shoot wow. it on the weekend. And so I called some friends, my friend, Ryan Carls, who was a teacher at UCB. And genuinely the funniest human I've ever met. Well, <laughs> so you worked with my husband a lot, who's also a producer. And um, and so Ryan came on board. Ryan and I had written a play together for the UCV called Thanks Bill about two parents who fake their death to escape their children. And it happens in real time in the first 30 minutes of their immense escape. And you learn through the first 30 minutes that so they've actually murdered a neighbor to pull this thing off.
0: Jesus.
1: So yeah, it was like a whole thing. Anyway, I thought he, he is the funniest person I've ever met in my life without even trying. So smart, so good, so committed, so serious about comedy, like just deadpan. And um, he came in to play the character opposite me and he added everything. Some of the funniest moments in Swing Night are because Ryan Carls was on set that day. There's stuff I that, that, that I- I love it when that happens. Yeah. So that's. I mean, and that's the value of a great improviser and a great actor is that you you can write as well as you can and somebody can always come in and make it better.
0: Always. And it's. Always. I, I feel like I said that to somebody the other day. I was just like, you're only ever as good as your scene partner. And you can yeah. be amazing, but if your scene partner is just not good and not bringing stuff, it's just like, it shows. But when you have a scene partner who's just knocks it out of the park, it's a, it just makes it so like a hundred
1: times better it's so much more fun so much more fun we're all playing make-believe and we're all grown-ups who are playing make-believe and trying to make money at it which is like freaking hilarious <laughs> like, what do you want to do when you grow up i'm gonna play house and i'm gonna get paid really well <laughs> like i'm gonna play dress and i want to get played really want well to do it and it's like oh be ambitious yeah, <laughs> it is. it's very ambitious oh. and it's amazing to me how many people are like that's the goal that's the <laughs> Get me for the rest of my life. Oh my god, it's so true. And it we're really not is. giving up. <laughs> and I tend to play dress up with the utmost commitment. I want to commit to this so hard. Like, it's just really, it to me, it's so funny that like we, that's like what we want to do for a living. But it is, um, and of course, it is like duh. Like, like you anybody wouldn't to be an accountant. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, do you want <laughs> to play house? Like every like in play make believe. Like that's what we all want to do. That's what we all want to do. Right? Although it's so yeah, they I mean, it's just it it, it is, it's like one of those things I mean they could be
0: happy, who knows. Characters.
1: But... <laughs> yeah, I always feel like when I write like, characters, I give them jobs like in accounting or in some sort of like a mundane thing because I think that for us that's such a foreign thing I know for for people who are in creative fields it's like what must that be like I'm going to dive into that imaginative space for a while <laughs> data analysis what does that mean you know I think we are like kind of fascinated by the other side a little
0: bit <laughs> like, it's <laughs> so funny because I've met I when I was at drama school my friend used to hang around with so many accountants and investment bankers and all this stuff that people like I would know models. I have model friends who like that was their jam. They wanted to get in with these people, and I met them, and I'm like, "Do this." I was just like, "I why would anybody want to date an accountant or an investment bank I'm just like, "No." It's like my worst nightmare. One
1: thing about New York is that every woman in New York City has dated a guy who owns a hedge fund. Ugh like you just can't get out of this city without dating somebody who works on wall street or owns a hedge fund or works at Goldman Sachs like you know whatever yeah. it is which you bank like it's a banking city and um at the highest level and these are just the biggest tools I mean it's- <laughs> some of them are and amazing
0: oh, I'm sure like- there's some really nice ones out there I'm sure oh there's my god no
1: they're amazing I've met so many great I mean, especially the hedge fund guys, because those guys are a special breed. I feel like the, the ones that own hedge funds, um, they're into taking risks. Like they're into, you know, they're gambling with a lot of other people's money. <laughs> I mean, I just always think it's like kind of fascinating, super high stakes poker, right? But like, um, so some of them are really cool and like really fun and funny. And then, I don't know, sometimes I remember listening to this one guy that I was dating. He was a Harvard MBA hello fancy went to Duke for undergrad I was like yes 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 (laughs) could not hold a conversation we had nothing in common it was sort of hilarious it's
0: painful yeah uh... and I know
1: why they wanted like the artsy girl around because I think a lot of them think by living vicariously through this sort of like artistic whimsical person I will therefore become more that way yeah I'm making such sweeping generalizations like there are so many cool people in so many industries and additionally had like a lot of these people fun movies
0: that's true you know,
1: and like- you know what it was just this
0: group of people i was in it was just not for me i'm sure there's some lovely accountants who aren't boring out there and right. some lovely investment bankers who aren't complete cokehead douchebags you
1: know i do i do have to say like there's a stereotype for a reason in, the, in that world and it's it takes a certain kind of person with a certain kind of ambition and a certain in the same way that there's a stereotype for a reason in our in like the creative sphere absolutely like you know the gr- crunchy granola birkenstock wearing <laughs> like all like all of that tea kind of poetry you know i play the guitar and i really love poetry all of that stereotype too like it defies ways and gender it's like yeah. it's a unifying you know thing is like um enjoy chai tea and playing guitar and ukulele you must come this way how'd you make a movie yeah it's like it's i don't know there's some there is a sweeping generalization for a reason i guess there is you know
0: it is what it is it's okay no one's gonna be offended i'm sure um so going back to swing night you finished swing night which I absolutely love. I think I've, yes! I've seen it like five or six times. Um, and I make all my friends watch it. Um,
1: really? Oh yeah. I feel like you're va- like the vampire shows. Like that's, I love your shows. I think they're so funny.
0: Um, but yeah, so you did that. And then when did you move to LA and what?
1: Ooh, so yeah, so
0: I made it 2016. 2016?
1: Yeah. 2016. We made that movie. I was so jazzed. Um, I did not, I put it up on YouTube, did not think about it again. Um, broke it up into a series and, and left it and went on its merry way. I moved to Los Angeles in 2017 and subsequently got in touch with Ben, who is um, our mutual friend. And he also worked with my husband, um, my, who is my husband, the producer, meets all these amazing actors. And um, Ben... I think was not teaching acting class at the time, but my intention was to take class with him and to just sort of get my feet on the ground in LA and learn a little bit. I intended to stay there for three months. And I thought I will go to LA for three months during the New York City winter where it's horrible and awful and I hate everything and I will feel this place out and then I didn't leave for three years. (laughs)
0: that's good (laughs) I was I literally said that on the show the other day I was like yeah I was meant to be here for maybe three years and then I was gonna head back to London 11 years later
1: (laughs) well here and now I have a house and two children and I don't think I'm going back I'm never going back (laughs) I mean my I do very much intend to be back in LA as soon as possible I love Los Angeles so much it's such a great town for movie people. I mean, if you love movies and you wanna talk about movies and make movies and be around other people who make movies, then that is the right town. I had heard this um, podcast with Robert Pattinson and he was saying that, you know, he does not mind and actually loves when his, um, or loves quote in quotes, but like, you know, when an Uber driver pitches a movie, you know, when you're, you get into an Uber and the driver pitches you a movie or like, you know, you're in the elevator and somebody, you know, talks to you about maybe closing a deal on some other thing because he was like, that is why I moved to Los Angeles. I love movies. I love to make movies. If I didn't want that around me all the time, I would live in one of the other industry cities where it's not the one thing, but it's like, if you want to make movies and TV and you love entertainment and you love talking about it and being around it and swimming next to it, then that is the best city.
0: It really is. And it's so funny that I, you say that. I mean, I haven't listened to that podcast, but I know exactly what he means. It's just being in it and like you're immersed in it. It's like you've just been dipped in movie chocolate. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And I love it.
1: Exactly. It's so much fun. And I think it's, um, I think it gets a lot of crap. L.A. does for being super superficial. For That's what I've the,
0: thought. Right. You know, yeah.
1: There's and for being inauthentic and all of the things. And I do think that there are, of course, like a schmoozy element of it. And the reason for that, in my humble, only three years worth of experience opinion, is that you're kind of either born in, you buy your way in, or you bottom and hope for a lottery ticket. But like that, those are the ways into that industry. And so you have a lot, and it's a lot of freelancing. Yeah. So your network is your net worth. And there's a lot of, as a result of that, you know, these are project to project, a lot of the film and TV business. And so, getting hired in the production sphere—if um, you're an actor, get, you know that's that's getting hired in that production sphere. Production accountants have to network just as much as um, as a as an actor or as a director to to get on the next job. And people have to like you, and they need to want to work with you. Otherwise, you're not going to keep getting paid. Mm-hmm. So your economic um, security relies very heavily on the people that you know and their ability to want to continue working and they're you know them wanting to continue working with you so I think that that does create a yes man kind of attitude around jobs and around working but I also don't think there's anything wrong with that and you know I, I, I
0: feel mean? like that's for a lot of industries as well
1: it's basically like going for a job interview every other week yeah yeah and you're auditioning. Um,
0: that's the other thing, too, because I thought LA was going to be like super superficial and all that shit when I first arrived. When I first arrived, I still have some of those friends. Yeah. And they're the most genuine people I've ever met in my entire life.
1: And I don't know if you found this, too. And you know, this is again, I mean, just making these like sweeping generalizations, but like native Angelenos, some of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. Just so oh, yeah. So lovely, so amazing. I mean, some of my greatest friends in New York are from LA, <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's such a, I always feel, I think of it as like a commuter, these are like commuter cities because everyone that I, I don't, oh, this is a fun thing about when I first moved to LA. So being in the short film scene, being in the comedy scene, being um, somebody who was really visible on stage all the time in the comedy world, um, in New York meant that when I moved to LA, I went to all of these like short film festivals. Cause I was just trying to meet people and see, see what other people were doing and see where the comedians were and like all of the things. And mm-hmm. I knew somebody at every single event that I went to. And my, my buddy from college who saved my life and let me stay with her in her apartment in West Hollywood. Um, my buddy, Stephanie would take me to all of these places and we would go. And she was like, Lindsay, you know, somebody everywhere we go. And I was like, I, I do. i mean i remember i was at a short film festival and um the the gal sitting in front of us was somebody who worked with my husband and um and whom i had been introduced to before and then i went to another one in my you know in the comedy world and and so my buddy amy and scout were there and it was just like all of these buddies from that i knew from new york were in la and um it really does feel like a an easy bridge from that, those two cities, which is crazy because they're so different and so far apart. But I knew somebody everywhere I went in LA in the first couple of months. And then even you and I meeting, it was, you know, I yes. decided to see that showcase and um, I was like, I'm gonna perform in a showcase and see what happens. And saw you perform, thought you were amazing. <laughs> so good and so funny. And then Ben was like, I think, you know, Ben and I went out and he kind of gave me the lay of the land of LA, showed me North, South, East, and West, the way any New Yorker needs to, I needed to have it laid out like New York. Yeah. He he basically was like, you know, when you're in New York and you look for empire. And I was like, yes. Or when you're in New York and you look for um, trade one, because if you see world trade one, you know, that that's South, you see, Empire, then you know, you're looking North. So, um, you know, when you get down to, especially downtown where the streets are not numbered, they they've all have street names in LA I was like the streets are not numbered how do you know which way is north south east and west like I don't understand this grid and he was like okay so it's not he's like it's still a grid and he laid the grid out for me like a New Yorker and it was such a game changer I was like okay when I look to the hills and I am looking north if I'm looking. yes you <laughs> see the mountains yes as soon as sounds, I'm not- heading north. and then as I move west it slopes so you gotta be careful <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was really it was really helpful. He like told, he knew what I needed to hear um to feel comfortable there. And I swear to god I never got lost in Los Angeles again. Yeah, I, I knew where Southeast West was. I don't
0: think I've ever been lost in LA. And that's purely because as soon as I see the mountains, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna head towards the mountains. Yeah. And then I know exactly where I am. Yep. And because everything's on a grid. It's like
1: it's just they're not numbered. And I remember yeah. thinking why aren't they numbered? <laughs> the numbers are so easy. You go up, you're going north. You go down, you're going south. The numbers go up and down, just like north and south. <laughs> so wanna? Yeah. No, I remember getting that
0: message from Ben, looping us both in. I then remember meeting you at the workshop or the showcase and being like, "Oh, another Lindsay." Didn't put two and two together. It was only when we finally went to get tea that I was like, "What? Why do I know you? I know We've met." <laughs>
1: That that and we are both like we've met and i also remember you
0: and i remember the scene you did it was so funny it was really fun oh and
1: God. you were and, that
0: scene as well didn't you
1: uh yes i did yeah yep yeah yeah yeah. i was like I, I remember i was like yes i remember i don't remember very many people's performances from that night
0: oh no i think i remember yours because you did the therapist office
1: yes yeah Yep. and and you did Christmas party. Yeah. I always
0: did that. I always do that.
1: Oh my God, my I got My go to. Oh, such a good character for you. And it's oh. so, you're so good at it. You nail it every time. It's like, why change a good thing?
0: Yeah. I'm just good at acting drunk. <laughs> it's just the thing.
1: <laughs> I'm really good at hint about being wasted. I can look drunk. and But
0: yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So then that was when I met you. And then you and I kind of started just like playing around with ideas because we're both people that like to play. Yeah. And- try new things and um and then I think the real right hand turn came when just sheer coincidence and I do think that for everybody who gets like you know for every step there's luck involved there's just these weird happenstance serendipitous things and Mm -hmm. weird happenstance serendipitous won the lottery ticket was my roommate Laura oh yeah Yes. Yeah. I went to a class at one-on-one and I met this girl, Ellen, and she was an immediate friend, immediate friend. And she had a big goal of going back to New York for a couple of months and wanted to sublet her space she and I were such fast friends. She was like, why don't you come over to my house this weekend and you can meet my roommate? And I did. And then she was like, do you want to live in my house for three months? And I was like, why not? Um, it was like, I mean, it was fast. It's just like, and it, like, you know, sometimes when I look back at it, I'm like, I am, I mean, man, like you just meet people and hope for the best sometimes. Like she could have been a lunatic or I could have been a lunatic, but, um, but it worked out great. And so Laura, my my amazing roommate in Los Angeles, who I just spoke to on the phone earlier today, I Aww. love and adore And, um, and she was very good friends with, uh, with a guy, uh, Joel Moore, who was at the time writing and going to be directing a film called hide and seek, which was a remake of a Korean, like a 2013 Korean thriller. And it was fantastic. He needed somebody to transcribe the Korean film into an English language script. And she was in the car with him on a business trip in Toronto and said, you know, Lindsay breaks down movies for fun. (laughs) He was like, oh, that is what I need. I need somebody who just like can sit, who has a couple of hours or, I mean, I think it took me like 18 hours (laughs) or so it was a long time, but like who has time to like transcribe this movie. I need it soon. And I think I got a phone call on a Friday, like I'll pay you to break this movie down. And I was like, Done. I it uh, over the weekend and submitted it to him on Monday morning so that he could turn it into the studio and I think he just thought well that was fast <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: well because <laughs> people do drag their feet out here
1: i yeah and I had New York like ride or die on my mind where I'm like everything must be done yesterday exactly
0: and that's the same here like if anything if I get a bee in my bonnet about something I, I can't think about it until it's done yeah and I'm just like, so I feel like that's why you and I also got really well. Cause I was just like, Oh, I feel like I've met my match a
1: little bit. Yes. You know? Yes. It's that execution. It's like what we were kind of speaking about with the uh, Jessica Park, my producer at Hot Buffet. It's yeah. those people who get an idea and then go. Cause a lot of people get ideas, but they don't go. And oh
0: God. I can't stand that.
1: You know, it's like, you can do visualization exercises all day long about getting what you want. But the way to get what you want is to make a plan and execute it, yeah. you know? Okay, I want to make a short film. I have $3, great. <laughs> start there, like start there, you know? It's like that. that's the best way to get the ball rolling because nobody cares about what, like everybody wants to know what you can offer them, you know? Yeah. And I think that um, my ability to break down movies and I was trying to figure out how to write a feature at the time and I had read a lot of books about it Um, And I never went to a writing class. I just read all of the things that they tell you to read. I read Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey. I read um, Joseph Campbell, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And those books are dense and they're hard, but you got to read them because it's the language that Hollywood has been speaking for, you know, since George Lucas wrote Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And um, I read Robert McKee's book, Story, which is another one that like is referenced all the time and you just need to know it. And then, of course, Save the Cat by Blake Snyder, which to me is the Bible. Oh, I keep telling people that it is the Bible. It is the Bible. And it's like, if you want a condensed version of story by Robert McKinney, read Save the Cat. If you want a condensed version of all those Joseph Campbell books, read Save the Cat. And then, of course, there's Aristotle's Poetics, which is like kind of where all of that came from initially anyway. So it's like reading story structure, understanding how stories work. You know, there has to be a beginning, a middle and an end. And then there's all these other fun things that happen in between. Mm -hmm. So. I had been working on all of that just independently. And so a lot of things came together. I was ready to get lucky basically. I was in a position where like, if I got lucky, I had the tools and I got lucky. So um, he had me break down the script. He asked if I wanted to work with him on hide and seek and the development process. And I said, yes. And I became mostly a sounding board for his ideas which is very important because he is the writer director. All of the decisions were gonna need to be his. everything that was written down had to be his. Um, And so it was more or less just a fun, creative process of bouncing ideas back and forth. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, When it came time to make the movie, he asked if I wanted to come back to New York and make it. And I said, yes. And so we came back to New York and we shot the thing. And that was when I started learning how the producing process works on a larger budget film and how the producing process works um when you're dealing with a list actors and how the mo- like how you monetize a bigger movie mm-hmm. because i've never made movies for myself and i never made a movie with the intention of making money i always made movies to- for the intention of giving myself an opportunity to do what i love yeah so i have an idea i want to see it to fruition was is a very different ball game than i have an idea and i need to make some money off of it yeah so it becomes a different game. And I got to learn that game by sitting, basically when you're the director's assistant, you are a shadow. You get to get everybody coffee. Um, in my case, you get to Lee, I was extremely active on that set because I had been involved from the beginning. And I mm-hmm. knew all of the guys at CJ Entertainment who were the ones that um, were producing the film. And I knew them all very, you know, all of them very, very well. And they are an amazing team. And I am so lucky that I worked with them and worked with them. Um, you know, on the ground here in the States, because a lot of their stuff is, you know, still in Korea. And um, I learned so much from the way that you put a movie together to make, in order for it to make money. And it's yeah. a lot, and it's a lot of work. And um, and so like being able to liaise between all of the department heads was fantastic. I knew the script inside and out. So the costume designer didn't need to go to Joel for every question. She could come to me. Yeah, um, I also had you know, about continuity issues with costuming. So I was dealing with a lot of that, helping to cast extras. I think at some point like extras just became my job and I, ca- I picked out extras and chose extras wardrobe for the vast majority of the shoot where we had them. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did a lot of liaising between the AD department. I was very, very hands on in terms of everything shot listing with the DP and with our first AD. And I got to see this like tripod of individuals, a director, a DP, and an AD make a schedule, make the shots. And our first AD, her name is Carolyn Aragon. She is the best. She is amazing. She would be able to call the shot list within five minutes. She could yeah. look at the list of shots that we needed and be able to say exactly how many minutes each one would take. Oh my gosh. So incredible to be around people like that. hmm uh, and she's also a producer in her own right. And then, um, you know, I made excellent, excellent friends and connections here in New York on the ground. Excellent. And like, even, you know, with our locations manager, Justin, um, one of the absolute best, and I'm working with him right now, I'm working on a project with Justin Rosini. So it's like these relationships came in handy over and over and over again. And they were just, I was so lucky we worked with the best human beings on the planet. Yeah. You know, and so, We finished the movie, we wrapped, we came back to LA and I got to see the post process and the editorial process and um, came in and actually did some ADR. I I got to be on set, I got to act in the movie because Joel just threw me in for for a fun scene. And that's amazing as well because primarily you are an actress. Yes, yes, yes. So even just, uh, I
0: I haven't seen the film, is it out yet?
1: It just, I just saw, and Deadline Joel sent me an email that it was bought at Berlin, so it's coming out. (gasps) I don't know what the release will look like. I don't know what their um, distribution strategy, of course, is. I just know that it's been bought. And so CJ sold it.
0: Yay. Okay. Well, I'm very excited to see it.
1: I'm very I'm excited. very to excited to see you in it.
0: I don't care like how big or small it is. I'm just like, I, I just can't wait. I can't wait. I'm
1: pretty sure I got cut. Um, I remember thinking that we needed to cut the scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, in terms of the pacing, I think it was just something that needed to hit the floor. I'm not sure if it's in the movie because I have not seen the final cut. Uh-huh. But if it was up to me as a director, I would have cut the scene.
0: Okay, well, if you are in it, <laughs> I, I'm just going to tell you right now: I'm, I'm going to scream my head off when I see you because uh-huh. I, I get I get so excited when I see people like friends I know in stuff. Like I, I just too. I just get so I, I just something inside me just I I get like really really excited. And it's I don't think Absolutely. it's normal. I don't think it's normal,
1: but I love it. I love it. I love it, <laughs> I love it too. I guess that's why we're in it. I think that that's <gasps> really the other thing too. Is it's like there's this kind of like a cool jadedness about it, where it's like, oh yeah, I do movies. Like I'm in movies, but it, it, it there's a coolness to it, and there's a reason that you're in it. It's like I didn't get into making movies to not get excited and jump up and down at the TV when I see my friends. Yeah. Of course if I see my friends on TV I'm going to get excited pause it jump up and down text them call them and scream to everyone that I know that my buddy is on this TV show for 3 seconds you know yeah. like I love it <laughs> it's so funny That's the whole point <gasps> Oh man so yeah I got I got to you know jump in and play a role one day and it was so much fun and of course like I'm a comedian and it's it's a, it's a thriller so yeah. maybe I, you can imagine that it maybe might get cut <laughs> 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 but, um, but I do have to say that, uh, that Joel was um, very, he, uh, he might've just been buttering me up and I certainly you know hope that he was because I needed to be buttered up a little bit. I think I was getting a little down. It was a, it was a tough shoot. Um, it was cold outside. It was a, it was like winter wintertime. It was a tough shoot. And everybody was getting sick. I got two stomach viruses. It was like a whole thing. So if he was buttering <laughs> me up, I needed it. <laughs> but if he was, he said the nicest thing to me on the way uh, back from that, from that set day. He was like, you know, Lance, I knew you were going to be good, but it, you were really good. Oh. And it, it, made me feel, it was like, oh, you didn't have to say that. But I think it, you know, he's also an actor who knows how, how much validation we all need.
0: Because yeah, um, we need so much validation. A lot of
1: validation. <laughs> good job. So that's really, that's oh really good. And then, um, and then we came back, let's see. So we, we came back to LA and at that point. Um, started a production company called Balcony Nine, and um, and we're really off to the races. They did the first look deal um, with Productivity Media, which is a Canadian financier, and um, and started making movies. And I read a book that I loved, Brunson Green, who was this amazing producer, uh, was in you know did the help, um, wanted to turn this book into a movie. We all read it, we all loved it. We uh decided to go for it so I got to see the process of like how the sausage is made from the beginning of the development from like I have a book that I like and I want it to be a movie how the legal process works like you option the book and then you um hire a writer and then you take the book out on the town and you put together all these materials to make it you know, make it sound like it's the, a worthy investment and it is a worthy investment if you believe in it, but how yeah. important it is to believe at the project, cause you've got to sell it to people. So you better believe in it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you take your project out on the town and submit it. And if you're lucky, people want to take a meeting with you. And then you go into the meeting room and then you pitch the shit out of your project. Um, and all of that happens through the agents and the man, the agencies and the managers. And we were very lucky that we had excellent representation, um, because Joel has excellent represent- representation. Yeah. Um, And so we were very lucky and we were able to start working on movies and then um, COVID-19 happened. And um, yeah, and it was just such a bummer. It put a halt in the grind in a very real way um, in terms of we were meant to start production on a couple of films in May of 2020, which would have meant that um, we would have been getting some decent ROI coming in.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And when you know and it's like when when the when we were halted it was kind of like well we're halting production let's just kind of see how this goes and so ended up um I think for myself coming back to New York just made the most sense um for the time where it was like yeah because also
0: your spouse is in New York my and
1: still here. yeah my so my husband's in New York he's working in New York um like
0: LA is on such a tight I know New York is as well but LA has been on such a tight lockdown it yeah. just makes sense to be with people, yeah. You, you know, you love and
1: it didn't make sense be that yeah. far away anymore. You know, if we weren't going to be making things and we weren't going to even be able to go into the office,
0: yeah, <laughs> like, well, exactly. So yeah. I think you made the right decision for these shitty circumstances. I'm very obviously excited for you to get back, so we can oh, just.
1: I love LA so much and I also love New York and I think that now that the winter has kind of broken and New York is starting to open up a little bit and the sunshine is coming out and you know um, we're starting to make movies here again which is so so great so um, I got really lucky and all the folks that I worked with on hide and seek um, those relationships are still you know fabulous and now we're all working together on other projects. Yeah, And so um, I kind of fell right back. I fell right back into this amazing group of people who, who make great independent film here. And so um, I also just shot another short film with Julian on, um, oh on Wednesday, I had an idea and I just wanted it shot. And um, I called Julian and he brought in a really good friend of his. Who's also uh, a DP. His, his name is Jay Silver and Jay has worked on a lot of great stuff and owns a red. And so we shot my silly little idea on a red, which is, it's just like what? It's just so outrageous. I know, I know. And it's like there's a no little <laughs> idea. Like it's a sketch. I wrote a sketch. Um, that's like You said it on like
0: a really high quality camera.
1: <laughs> and for you know, and we're talking like that. I mean, like I don't know how that like I don't know how that happens. <laughs> how do you just say like I wanna shoot this thing and I mean I feel like the luckiest girl in the world? Like who just I don't know. I mean, obviously. Ten years ago, I didn't have the network that I have now. But again, it's like when people just want to have fun, yeah, and just play and experiment. experiment. Yeah, yeah. And Jay has this red, and he wanted to come and play with it. He wanted to play with his lenses, and I wanted to play with them with a funny idea. And Julian wanted to direct, and so, voila, we decided on a Friday that we wanted to make the movie on a Wednesday, and then we just (laughs) and honestly, that's
0: what I love I just love stuff like shit getting done just using all your resources and people just teaming up together and just playing and just not really worrying about the outcome yeah just having a really fun time it's basically you're not it doesn't feel like you're going to work or doing any of that stuff because you're just playing with friends
1: you are and I think even with this um you know with the with the projects that I was you know coming up with and and still brainstorming there is something so tangible about just making something and having it done. There is something so wonderful, like with the sketch comedy and being in the live space where it was like, I wrote a thing and now we're going to perform it. And now it's, it's like has manifested. And I think that the same thing with these, with the short films is I now, it's now easy because um, the team of people that I work with, we all enjoy each other so much and we all just want to play and keep working together. And they are so magnificent at what they do. And I'm like, I think right now, you know, they're all bouncing back onto their TV shows. So I was so lucky to grab them yeah. for a, a random, like a one-off Wednesday when neither one of them were booked on something else. Um, and it was the most fun. Oh, I can't wait to get back at it. It's like another one in the can.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited about COVID chilling out. And I feel like everything, I feel like 2022, 20, it's so weird to say that because I'm like, we're in 2021, but it doesn't feel like we're anywhere right now. Anyway, but I'm so excited about 2022 because I feel like that is just when stuff is gonna really kick off again, and I can't wait to see you again. I can't wait to do C suite with you and get that shot. Yes. I just there's so many things I can't wait for.
1: <laughs> no, and I I'm just kind of in this place now too where, um, I'm not so clinging to which direction I go to. I think for a yeah. long time, I'm an actor, 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 actor. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm like an actor writer. Okay, I guess I'm like an actor writer, but I'm like, well, produce if I have to. And then yeah. I was like, well, I'm kind of a producer right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the other film that I'm working on is an amazing feature documentary that I'm incredibly passionate about. And I'm gonna go down to North Carolina for um, a week or so to shoot some of that in April, which is like, huzzah. Um, but also it's a lot of work and it's producing. So it's kind of funny. It's like, I don't define myself in any particular category anymore. I'm an actor, writer, performer. Like I'm, I'm a director, I've done it all. You're a
0: jack of all trades. And I feel like that's how you really should be, especially in these these days, you know?
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's like, I think it um, it's, it's only enhances you. To, the more hats you know how to wear, yes, the more valuable you are to helping other people and the mm-hmm. way that you can show up for other friends. Like if I, if you've got a project lens and you're like, I just, you know, I need someone to AD this, or I need someone to produce this. The more hats that I can wear, the better, Yeah. you know, or it's like, oh, I know like, well, okay. So like I can put Lindsay in 15 different places on this movie. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's a great thing to, to be able to do.
0: Yeah. I think it's super valuable. And I feel like the more hats you can wear, like you say, I just think, why why wouldn't you do that? If you can do that, just do it. Learn new
1: skills, diversify all yeah. of the things that COVID taught us, <laughs> like diversify, diversify. <laughs> Don't get locked into one trade, like learn, learn new things. And it's hard to learn new things. And I think too, for actors, um, there's a fear that I used to have that if like, I was, doing something other than acting that my acting career was over oh
0: no and absolutely and that you've given up and it's not the case I'm at all up. yes it's for- truly oh.
1: truly not the case yes if I go and- down avenue it means I'll never perform again yeah and it's, it's been the exact opposite where I went down that avenue and now I just don't have to audition yeah <laughs> like oh. now I just walk on like I, I mean now I just Walk on set and say like, "I want to play this role." Do you think that would work? And as long as it's, like a one liner, nobody cares. They're like, yeah <laughs> you do whatever you want." You know.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, that helped a lot. Well, Pez, I can't wait for you to come back
1: to LA. Lindsay, I want to come back to LA. I also um, want you to come out here and do a fun short. Oh, this too.
0: Once everything comes down and vaccinations and baby pops out and all that stuff. You have
1: so much live stuff going on
0: right now. But once it's, you know, I'm up for it.
1: Yes. You I know I have like baby straps me. I always think if you just use it. Yeah. Like now the short involves babies and the babies come too. Yeah.
0: So, you know, I'm always up for stuff.
1: <laughs> yes, I do. I, and I also was just looking back here at Jasmine, who's having a snooze on the floor And she is a four month old French bulldog. (laughs) And now I want to put her in everything that I do.
0: Yeah, because that's what you do. Roscoe is basically in, I'm going to say 80% of the projects I've done. Yeah. Because I'm like, why would I not use this stunningly gorgeous dog?
1: Right? I have a beautiful dog walking around. Put a camera on that model. Yeah. Hello. That model.
0: Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely do need to come to New York. It's been a long time. I think it's been like five years, maybe longer. It's like it's probably been longer. Mm. I, need to, I do need to visit some friends up there, including you.
1: I'm one of them.
0: <sighs> so yes, we're going to continue our fun stuff. I think it's going to be a very bicoastal future. It will be. For both of us. And I miss you so much. I miss you so much. <laughs> and thank you for coming on and telling us your story because... I just find you fascinating. This is gonna turn into like a tit-licking competition. So, oh my god, Yeah, right? I'm like,
1: you're the best. <laughs> no, 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 you're the best. You're funnier. No, you're no, you're funny. <laughs> you stop <it> <laughs> <is> <laughs> funny lick, thing. You <laughs> stop. Oh, <I> just, <laughs> like, my finger I got so emphatic about that gesture. It was just <laughs> <laughs> <too> wildly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Well, thanks, Lens. Yes. I'm, just gonna say thanks Lindsay Perry for coming on the show and once again thank you so much Lindsay for coming on to the show I know I just said that but I'm saying it again because I had so much fun and I miss you so much <gasps> can't wait for you to come back to anyway, uh anyway thank you everybody for listening to the show I hope you found that very informative um, create your own work because it's really fun and even if the outcome's not what you expect it to be you never know in a couple of years later you might get a million views on YouTube. Who knows? So anyway, keep your eyes peeled for Lindsay Perry. And once again, thank you, Poe the Passenger, for the intro and outro music. Alright, we'll be back next week. Take care. Bye. So sick of a sweet talk.